So, as we said, physical and spiritual beings, we need to address this to help us cope. What are, or what is the core or the foundational problem that we have? It is sin that drives us to that point. So the best advice to overcome feelings of spiritual emptiness and lows might be to first examine if we have been disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now in this presentation, I took out some of the things after reading, uh, uh, and, and actually I spoke to a doctor who's very much in tune with the religious side of the spiritual aspect, and he's a medical doctor, and he was explaining to me from some of his writings, uh, he's a Canadian who now lives in Queensland, uh, and he was telling me of, of the in-depth studies currently that's going on where med the, 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 the medical fraternity is now emphasizing very much the aspect of treatment in the form of spirituality. But for us, we take it from an Islamic side that the most important thing to look at is what is my relationship in terms of the graph, if I have to analyze it, between me and my Creator. So this is the first part to see where we're at with regards to sin. Because all of the, the Quranic verses and things which I will give, uh, you know, have it at the end or in between, it, it shows us that the absence of obedience is one of the causes of spiritual lows. Society has starved the soul and making us feel low and down. Today in my talk I spoke of gratitude and how we are living in a society where this aspect of gratitude is very much absent from our lives because we sometimes find ourselves thinking that we must get what we want immediately it must happen very quickly. I want to be happy now. I want to be rich now. I want to have the best now. This is what is happening. So happiness will never ever be reached or attained or achieved because we are constantly fed or made to believe that what we have is not enough. And when you feel you don't have enough and you are not satisfied, you are not happy. And there can be hundreds of reasons, uh, hundreds of examples that we can share. It could be small and it could be big. It could be in my individual life, dealing with people around me, 
It could be in my marital life. It could be in my relationship with my parents. Like kids will tell us that why do I have to go to bed? My friends are still playing. Why can I not have this? My friends have it. So they will never understand or be happy, sadly, with their parents because their benchmark is apparently someone who has more than them. They are not satisfied with what they have. And so as long as we are not satisfied, we have become slaves to various things which then creates this low and this feeling of lowness and the absence of happiness because there is the absence of gratitude. Because if I am content and happy with what Allah has given me, then if the next person has something better, it will not affect me, it should make me happy, but it's not going to impact my happiness because I have learned to be grateful for what I have. We are constantly fed with quick hit dopamine fixes through social media, movies, junk food, etc. Some months back we had a discussion on Dajjal. Think about this dot point. How is it that I am not giving a fatwa? Or I am not saying halal and haram. I'm just using it as an example. Previously, if a kid was told you are going to the movies, it was exciting, it was an outing perhaps. Now, it's just something that they may do because... There's so much of Netflix and all of that available that how do you appreciate going to watch something which you could not do previously and it was like, like something that, that you enjoyed, it was an outing. You will not appreciate that because now you've been just fed and given all of these things and so what happens is this, that when you don't get all of this which you bombarded with and looking at and seeing in all of these things, it's going to take you downhill. Because now your mind cannot comprehend not having these things. That is why I'm guilty of it first perhaps. Like they showed that picture where friends went to visit their mate in hospital. You may have seen it. I just picture you, Allah save us, that we go to hospital to visit someone and the guy is connected to these pipes and 
they show the person, take out their phone and like, oh my God, my battery is low. So he takes his charger and he pulls out the life support machine from his friend to use the PowerPoint to charge his phone. Because we need it. Engulfed in a society that is hedonistic or different pronunciations, narcissist behavior is on an increase. And nihilistic, which I will explain now. The question is, how do we get out of this rat race? This is through connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Coming back to that previous point is to examine if we have been disobedient to Allah, what's our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's the big question. Ibn Hazm, rahimahullah, some profound statements I came across of some of these scholars, unbelievable. I searched for a common goal amongst humankind to which all would agree to strive for excellence. I have not found anything other than the vanquishing of anxiety of hum. Every person, I search for a common goal amongst human beings and everyone would like to remove this anxiety, this stress, this hum, this worry from their lives. And that is why the end result when we talk of happiness is what? You don't want, you want a stress-free life. That is what we call happiness. The pursuit of emotional balance and the removal of anxiety is indeed a universal concern. And I've got it somewhere in my notes where you talk about this emotional balance and the removal of anxiety, we don't have to go very far. Look at the so-called celebrities in the movie industry, in the fashion industry, in the music industry. Look at all the big names. And what do you find all of a sudden now coming out of their lives? There is a word which is very common among some of them now, meditation. And the various other, whether it's yoga or whatever it is, it's part of their routine for their mental self to remove anxiety. They are going to this direction. So everybody, the rich, the poor, everyone is in pursuit and in search of this. Despite the immense scientific progress and medical advancements, that have been achieved in the last few centuries, there seems to be a decline in mental health. Now, when we talk of spirituality and we talk of spiritual laws, I have to put a disclaimer that mental health in the medical world, people having medical issues and all of that, that's on its place. But the link of spirituality and mental health cannot be separated 
it is very much intertwined, it is linked for various reasons that we find in the Quran and in the Sunnah. But in saying that, just take for example Australia. I forget the figure but somebody may have read it maybe last week or a few weeks back where they have mentioned a staggering amount of money towards mental health, rehabilitation, assistance, whatever the term that they use. Has anyone read that recently? From the current budget of all of the COVID budgets that they're giving. Anyone came across it? You'll find it. So they've given millions, hundreds of millions of dollars towards this. Now if we analyze it and if we see how we are living in spite of the situation of COVID, etc. Compared to other societies, yet we find this anxiety and stress and all of that is on an increase in spite of us having more resources than others. Rates of depression have dramatically increased. These are some stats of the U.S. alarming. It has been found that the use of antidepressants in the population rose 400%. The rate of suicide tripled in the young between 1950 and 2000. For the middle age, the rates of suicide have increased 40% during this time. Spirituality helps emotional imbalance. Developing one's spirituality is more important than financial achievements. One thing we read as well, I've got this bad habit of reading five papers every morning. I read the Malaysian paper, I read subcontinent paper, BBC, South African, and I read Middle Eastern and like the world. And one thing, I just shared it with a friend the other day, and most of us have even thought of that during these lockdowns and which we've hardly had, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. But what is something common you find? I just read, was it two days ago, a lady gave up her top job because, like, that's it. I feel if I could survive off not having this whole rat race and all these kind of things, my spirituality, i.e. mental health, as it would be called, is more important than my financial achievements. And this has been across the board. Across the board. Look at England. Heaps of people leaving their jobs. Look at Australia. There's many in the industry, in, in various industries, either they would like to just work flexi hours and, and or take it easy and this because they felt, wait, what were we doing? What have we been achieving besides dollars? Did we achieve anything else? Each person has been asking themselves that question. And here I tell you, I'm talking to myself. My wife could have me at home whole day. I'll also stay at home. Right, she's like, go to work. 
all of us are thinking, wait, is that worthy? Nobody is saying, we're not stating the obvious, but we're talking of a balance. And spirituality comes to create equilibrium. It comes to create balance. That level of imbalance that was there in our system, when you take a step back, and again I come to that first slide of our connection with Allah, it makes you realize so many things. People often believe that transient states of happiness obtained through entertainment, wealth and possessions will enable them to escape their hum, their anxiety. A systematic review of multiple studies, which, which represents one of the highest levels of clinical advance, showed that increased levels of spirituality and religiosity in adolescence correlated with better mental health. I forgot to just mention, when I mention of narcissistic attitudes, hedonism, nihilism, we must understand what those things mean. For one, one of it is talking about maximizing pleasure. The satisfaction of desires is the highest goal and overall aim of a person. So we need to ask ourselves, where do I fit in these three categories? The satisfaction, it's all about maximizing pleasure. Satisfaction of desires. Yesterday's paper, LV, made the most profit and the highest record of sales in this last financial year. Satisfaction of desires is the highest and the overall aim. An example of that would be suggesting that the pursuit of pleasure should be the ultimate goal and the constant quest for pleasure and satisfaction has to be continuous because that pleasure and satisfaction is what is going to give us happiness. Narcissism and the narcissistic behavior that we find, and this is something that we all suffer with. And sadly, I will say there's many sisters that are victim of such behavior And that is a spiritual low, a sign of a spiritual low for the man, for the husband. It could be in our workplace, in our jobs, where we become selfish, self-absorbed. Everything rotates around me, even amongst our own circles. Of, of, of social life, where are we with regards to that when it comes to feeling for the next person? Or is it only when it's about me, everyone should now give me the attention? 
Nihilism, no point or purpose of life. What's the point of all of this? You know, right and wrong. And just do as you wish to do. As they say, just do it. A systematic review of multiple studies showed that increased levels of spirituality and religiosity in adolescence correlated with better mental health. This is from the Journal of Family Practice. Appropriate spiritual issues should be addressed in patient care since they may have a positive impact on health and behavior. And we recommend that the medical model be expanded to a spiritual one. This is from Dr. Zuhay. The reference is from him. I have not seen the journal myself. He has given that reference. Beautifying one's, appear one's appearance would seem to be a healthy expression of freedom until, of course, we witness the alarming devaluation of the self that has become rampant in the modern cosmetic culture. Botox. People are flocking to Mecca instead of saving to go to Mecca. Forget the wing. We'll fly one day, inshallah. But what's happening? How, how is it possible that that young lady, what's that lady's name, whatever it is, she's become a billionaire. Kylie. Do I have it right? I also live in Perth. I don't live in Mars. I live in this world. She's a billionaire, yes or no? How, how is it possible? People work their whole lives. She's selling cosmetics. Can you see what is happening? And you see, because of time, I said I don't want to take the different exits. But I'm going to throw it out there just so that if we're married or not married or whatever, it should be something in the back of our mind. The absence of pleasure, of happiness, of love is not there in halal relationships because of all of this lust and all of this gratification and glorification and amplification of fakeness. Again, has to be a balance. The striking proportion of society willing to undergo, uh, to go under the knife to change themselves may represent physical freedom to some, but it may also suggest a worrying degree of psychological enslavement. What are we supposed to want and desire is programmed and conditioned into our thoughts by a cultural and marketing tsunami that engulfs our minds right from childhood. And we don't realize that. Now we got other problems coming up in our society. You see, you talk of marketing. When you study marketing, you will learn one thing, 
even in marketing, they teach us what type of music to play in which industry. When I was studying that, and we had a business, and we were advised, you got to put XYZ type of sound in the business because that is what will help sell your product. So when you go to Coles or you go to Woolies, you don't find the same vibes as you find in JD. And if you went to Zara or you went to H&M or you went to Maya, you don't find the same vibe as you find talk, talk back radio in, 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 in Coles. Why? Because it's part of that enslavement from childhood that we don't even realize. Psychological slavery also manifests in an obsession with entertainment, illusion and fantasy. We grow up in a fantasy world. Subhanallah, honestly, we, we are living in a fantasy world that this is life, everything is like this. Time to time, we are, you know, entitled, entitled. This entitled mentality is, is, is a big problem. Two decades ago, one author noted that the average American child watched more television by the age of six than the amount of time one speaks to one's father in an entire lifetime. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he explains, the past can never be changed or corrected with sadness, with huzn, but rather with contentment, with ridaf. Huzn is sadness. Part of our faith and our belief structure. That is why our Iman, Amantu Billah, wa Malaikatihi, wa Kutubihi, wa Rusulihi, wal Yawmil Akhiri, wal Qadri Khayrihi, wa Sharrihi, Minallahi Ta'ala, wal Ba'athi Ba'adal Mawt. Just that aspect of Tawheed is enough. That aspect of Tawheed is enough to give us our moral compass for life. You see what happens when we study Tawheed these days, it is studied how? That now everything is shirk, everything is bid'ah, everything is haram, and this is Tawheed. Believe in God and this and that. No, 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 no. That is lip service. That is lip service. Tawheed is when you take that articles of faith, those arkanul Islam, and when you say wal qadri khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah Taala, whatever my situation may be, Ya Allah, if you are happy with me in that situation. Sheikh Ahmed Ali Lahori, rahmatullah alayhi, a great mufassir and scholar of tafsir of the Quran. He was once out of the country and they wrote him a telegram or telegraph at that time. And what they said that your son is very ill. 
You should come back home. <coughs> so he wrote back and he replied something. I'm just giving you the gist of it. Where he said that the shifa and the cure of our child is what we all want. But if sickness is what Allah wants, then we are happy with what Allah wants. See how they thought. Did you put the watch fast or what? So, the past can never be changed or corrected with sadness, but rather with contentment. Gratitude. What did I tell you? Gratitude. With patience, a firm belief in destiny, and the verbal recognition that everything occurs by the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we have this, it's sufficient to refer to this of Ibn al-Qayyim from time to time to say, wait, what's happening to me now? Let me go to this. In simple way, yesterday's hunger cannot be felt today. Tomorrow's hunger, there is no guarantee you will feel it. You are in today, make the best of it. Modern psychology has recognized that a core aspect of the human mind involves spirituality. Islamic tradition says this process involves, it, it, it involves contemplation. The Quran tells us, do you not contemplate? Do you not see the ayat and the signs of Allah? For example, the change in the trees, the falling of the leaves, the different colors. Look at this as life and death. Look at it as Allah's creation, etc., etc. High spiritual intelligence. When you have this, the mind is constantly abstracting positive meaning and significance from the events that unfold. Positive spiritual states such as inspiration, optimism, gratitude, perseverance is found when there is high spiritual intelligence. We talk of intelligence. There is something which we fail to recognize even of children, which is emotional intelligence, which is a separate topic on its own. And then spiritual intelligence will allow us to look with optimism and gratitude. But absence of that, the lows, what happens? Jealousy. All these spiritual ailments, greed, hatred, jealousy, animosity, avarice, hubbul jah, hubbul mal, hubbul dunya, all of these things, mashallah, becomes part of how we live our life. Oh, she said that all of a sudden there's this new word, so savage. That's how we describe all of it in a nutshell. Would you agree with me? Yes or no? So, reasons behind spiritual laws. Disobedience to Allah. Being neglectful, sinning in private, looking at impermissible things. Our gate, our eyes are our gateway to the heart. Becoming too occupied in the worldly life and neglecting dhikr. I'll just again because of time. 
when you have a birthing plan, they ask you one of the things, what type of music would you like at the time of delivery? And they tell you in those prenatal books that you will read, they tell you such type of music, etc., is calming and you must listen when you are uh, uh, expecting and first trimester and this and that and all these kind of things. Why is it that that can be a means of, of relaxation and calmness? Why have we not understand when uh, uh, our Hafiz read earlier from Surah Al-Ra'ad in the 13th Jews, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Verily from the dhikr of Allah will the hearts find contentment, peace. You will have a sound heart. A sound heart. Experiencing hypocrisy, following unlawful desires, arrogance, envy, showing off, having a bad opinion about others. In the Islamic tradition, du'as represent a medium by which believers find meaning, which strengthens all the anbiya. Look at the 17th Jews. You will see the anbiya, they all make du'a. Rabbi anni massani yadurru wa anta arhamur rahimin. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna. All of them made du'a. Rabbi inni askantu min dhurriyati biwadin. غير ذي زرع عند بيتك المحرم ربنا ليقيم الصلاة فجعل أفئدة من الناس all the أنبياء من دعاء so dua is something very important how does it help us listen because of time اللهم إني عبدك وابن عبدك وابن أمتك ناصيتي بيدك ماض في حكمك عدل في قضاءك أسألك بكل اسم هو لك سميت به نفسك أو أنزلته في كتابك أو علمته أحدا من خلقك أو استأثرت به في علم الغيب عندك أن تجعل القرآن العظيم ربيع قلوبنا ربيع قلبي ونور صدري وجلاء حزني وَذَهَابَ هَمِّي Allahu Akbar Like I read a quote yesterday which said do not teach your child who were the first people to go to the moon teach your child who was the person who split the moon do not teach your child who was the first to go to the moon teach them who split the moon سجد الشجر نطق الحجر شق القمر بإشارته فمحمدنا هو سيدنا فالعز لنا بإطاعته صلى الله عليه وسلم Now, this dua says what? Oh Allah, certainly I am your slave the son of your male slave and the son of your female slave it starts with who you are who is the real you? Is it the friend you? The work you? We all have different yous. Perhaps is it the family you? We are reminded in this, who are you? 
اللهم إني عبدك you are what you are the slave of Allah leave those various skins and those various identities that you buy with the V-Bucks leave it alone you are who Allah's slave fundamental role that permeates all our roles is servitude to Allah when we act as a slave we gain clarity on how we are meant to respond to situations continuing my forehead my forehead is in your hand your judgment upon me is assured and your decree concerning me is just the ability to find meaning in adversity is a key quality that protects against depressed moods and anxiety during intense trials ya allah no matter what the trial and the difficulty oh allah you are the one my forehead is in your control i ask you by every name that you have named yourself look at ponder over the asma'ul husna now when you're going through this grief when you're reading this dua and ya allah i ask you by every name that you have named yourself now what is allah when i'm feeling down financially ya allah you said you are ar-razaq when i'm feeling down that people uh, uh, have abandoned me or have done me in ya allah innaka alimun khabir you know everything ya allah when i am feeling low because i did something wrong ya allah you are al-ghaffar when i am feeling down because people have oppressed me ya allah you are ar-rahim ya allah you are ar-rahman you are al-jabbar you are malikul mulk ya allah you are al-qahhar you are al-wahhab at-tawwab ya allah you are al-mu'ti you are al-mani' you are al-dhar you are al-nafi' ya allah you are all of these things what we are learning from this dua ya allah i ask you by those names etc by the book taught anyone of your of your creation or kept unto yourself from those names etc ya allah to make the quran and taj'al al-quran rabi'a qalbi oh allah allow the quran to be the spring of my heart wa nura sadri the light of my chest the banisher of my sadness and the reliever of my stress what a comprehensive dua muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has told us imagine if you made this dua it will rejuvenate your heart it will inspire us to 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 wisdom and it will remove sorrow human beings are made up of three elements the jism the nafs and the ruh what is the soul what is the nafs there's three types of nafs nafsul ammara nafsul lawama nafsul mutma'inna again all of these due to time this needs something i just want to go through now yeah ways to elevate your spirituality taking accountability of yourself as long as we do not acknowledge you cannot start acknowledge take accountability okay i am wrong to my partner to my colleague to my child to my friend to my allah increase our acts of obedience in private why we say in private because that is when it actually comes like our our, our sheikh rahmatullah ali used to say it's very easy to cry when you are holding the cloth of the kaaba or it's very easy to lower your gaze when you are in the haram but what is the test 
when you lower your gaze when you're in the marketplace. Remembering the afterlife, meditation, salah, fasting, each one of these needs, inshallah, its time. Reading the Quran, this is all from the dua as well. And the hadith tells us, imagine you read the Quran and you are down, down, down. You are having difficulty, this, that. But you read the Quran keeping in mind, my Muhammad has told us for every verse you read, every letter you read, so many rewards. Climb, irtaqi, iqra, wartaqi, waratil, kama kunta turatilu fid dunya. Climb and ascend, etc. You visualize this. Remembrance of Allah removes all anxieties, worries, and consequently produces happiness in the heart and mind. Islamic preferable supplications, our adhkar, morning and evening, hisnul haseen, these are books which are there for us. In the morning, read those adhkar, some dhikr, your yaseen, your, your after maghrib, surah waqi'ah, after isha, surah mulk, make this a habit. Sincerely make tawbah. Feel hopeful and positive of the mercy of Allah. Strengthen your iman. Have ita'ah, where we are obedient. Have taqwa, where it is easy for us to reach a point where we can say, I think, no, I can't do this because it's wrong. And ihsan is that level. أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك. You reach a point when you say Allahu Akbar, my Allah is with me. My Allah is with me. That point of where the heart feels connected to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you do not care what is going on around you. If the first few on top are achieved. You can reach that level where when they say you taste the sweetness of Iman, you will find not waking up at three in the morning makes you restless. And no matter how tired you are, but when you wake up in the, in the morning, it's cold and you make wudu. And wallahi, in the darkness of your room, you picture yourself alone in the darkness of the grave. And then you make sujood. And you shed a tear and you see the pressure of this temporary life of the world just be relieved coming off your shoulders and your chest and you find yourself feeling so light. It is also helpful to know where to turn to for encouragement. Overcoming feelings of spiritual emptiness is often not a mental or academic exercise. Rather, we need to, pers to get personal touch of a mentor. Whoever turns away from my remembrance. Now, why we say a mentor? Again, find the right person. You can't just be feeling down. And you just ask anyone, I'm feeling down. Oh, I think I need to cheer up. Mom, you know what? Oh, Fatima, if there's any Fatima, sorry. Fatima is feeling like she's feeling down. You know what? I think I'm going to surprise her. I'm just going to take her out to the movies and take her out for this. Ya Allah, what are you doing to Fatima? Are you killing her more? 
find the right person who can help us. The Sahaba had everybody around them, but they found Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Man a'arada an dhikri fa inna lahu ma'ishatan danka wa nahshuruhum yawm al-qiyamati a'ma. Allah forgive us. He has succeeded who purifies his soul. Qad aflaha man zakkaha wa qad khaba man dassaha. A day when there will be no benefit. Yawm la yanfa'u malu wa la banoon. Imagine that day when we are killing ourselves, putting ourselves under stress and anxiety, but when we read this verse, a day when my wealth, my children, nothing is going to benefit me. Except the one who comes with a pure heart to Allah. Go to Pharaoh, for verily he is a transgressor. Idhab ila Fir'auna innahu tagha. And say to him, will you purify yourself? This even Allah is saying. Verily among his people, وَإِنَّ مِنْ شِيعَتِهِ لَإِبْرَاهِيمِ 23rd Jews, Surah Safat after Yaseen. وَإِنَّ مِنْ شِيعَتِهِ لَإِبْرَاهِيمِ إِذْ جَاءَ رَبَّهُ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ Come to your Lord with a pure heart. He has succeeded who purifies himself. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تَزَكَّا وَذَكَرَ اسْمَ رَبِّهِ فَصَلَّا and you remember your Lord and you pray. Today prayer is neglected. Subhanallah, I was telling the students in class today, I was having a female only class. And we were having a discussion because some of them, we will end now inshallah, some of them they were not reading Quran. So I told them, I'm going to tell you something which is not a compulsory thing but what we learned from the books. Even those days when a woman, when a sister is not reading Quran, the scholars tell us for that even five minutes of the time of salah when the adhan goes or if it is salah time, even then go and sit on the prayer mat and make dhikr. Then I said, imagine, you don't have to pray. You excuse. There is no compulsion. Yet the scholars in wisdom say go and sit and make dhikr. So imagine when we actually have to pray. So, I just want to read out something to you very quickly. Subhanallah. Uh, it's a long thing, but I'm going to try to make it short. Where Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, we've got two minutes inshallah before Q&A, so we're on time. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reports that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said something. Now I'm going to read this out, it's a long hadith and like a, like a, like a discussion, but listen to this, subhanallah. He says, Allah has mobile a squad of angels who have no other work to attend to but follow the assemblies of dhikr and when they find such assemblies in which there is dhikr, the remembrance of Allah, they sit in them and some of them surround the others with their wings till the space between them and the sky is fully covered. 
And when they disperse, after remembering Allah, they go upward to the heavens to Allah. Then Allah asks them, although He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is best informed, where have you come from? And they say, we come from your servants upon the earth who have been glorifying you, O Allah. They have been saying, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. And then Allah says, what do they beg of me? It is mentioned, they beg of you paradise. Have they seen my paradise? No, O Allah. What it would be, what would their case be if they have seen my paradise? The angels say, they seek protection. And Allah says, against what do they seek protection? They say, oh Allah, from hellfire. Have they seen hellfire? No. What would it be if they actually seen hellfire? Then the angels would say, oh Allah, and they beg you for forgiveness. Allah says, I grant pardon to them and confer upon them what they ask for and grant them protection against which they seek protection. They, the angels, would again say, oh Allah, there is one amongst them, such and such a simple servant who happened to just pass by and sat there along with them who had been, part, along with those who had been in that majlis, in that gathering. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, I also grant pardon for that person, for they are a people that sit down. They seat and they sit seeking my pardon and my forgiveness. When you understand this, when I was reading this, we listened to this hadith and this dua so many times and I was thinking, subhanallah, imagine if I am going through some state of difficulty and I prayed two raka'ah of salah and I read some Quran and I made dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeping in mind when I am expressing my gratitude, my thanks unto Allah. And I'm keeping in mind that imagine Allah has got these angels that are roaming the earth and then they witness this and they go up to Allah and this dialogue takes place and I am being mentioned as those who are remembering the Creator and I am from those who have asked for forgiveness, for pardon, for paradise, for safety from punishment. And Allah says, I am giving all of this. After that, what depression do I need? What spiritual load do I need? This will boost me. So that is why, as we said in the end, these are some of the things that we need to do. Read the Quran, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and ensure that you and I do not lose hope. And remember, they say, like a tailor or a fisherman, that person having the thread and the needle in their hand, or that fisherman with his twine or with his line, if it snaps, and they join it and they connect it, 
when they are using that, they become more conscious of making sure that that part where they rejoined it and they put that knot to keep it, there is not much pressure on there in case it may snap again. So one scholar said, when you snap from Allah and you connect again to Allah and you snap and you connect, you are making your relationship stronger with Allah. Allah is loving it because he doesn't want that to snap. The focus and the attention Allah will give us. So don't ever lose hope. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us inshallah. Jazakumullah kulli khair. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. I think Aisha said uh, there's a few minutes for Q&A. Any questions, inshallah, if somebody writes it down or you, you ask it out, inshallah? like my Bismillahirrahmanirrahim I would like to wake uh, my husband to wake up for Fajr but he does not wake up okay so um, what we learn from the ulama and from the scholars with regards to trying ourselves to do the right thing and inshallah not judging anyone the first step if we are true and genuine in wanting good for the next person or wanting them inshallah to equally be enthusiastic in worshipping Allah then we have to take time to make dua for that person, number one. And number two, the scholars tell us that in a very light-hearted way, you wake the person up and 
in a place where the person can see you, you pray your salah. And then, that's the second thing. So making dua and praying where, in this case, in the room where the husband is perhaps sleeping, you pray your salah. And then you advise. And you should now know the temperament or the way with wisdom, not in a holier-than-thou approach, but in a way where we advise and say, inshallah, there'll be more muhabba and love between us if we together please Allah. Or we will say, inshallah, or this can be just as a general discussion. Where I was reading something and they mentioned, wow, that I didn't know this. That if you prayed Fajr Salah, or you don't have to say you, if a person prays Fajr Salah, or you know, or they pray the morning prayer, whatever it is, like, wow, you actually get that much of reward and this and that. And you should just leave it at that. And slowly, slowly, it's not overnight. But I heard this from one of the scholars, and he said that a person's akhlaq and character, it's difficult to change. But a person who may not be worshipping Allah, or who may be transgressing, or who may be doing the wrong thing, for that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give tawfiq and hidayah. And very quickly, I leave you to read the story of the person who killed 100 people from the Banu Israel. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him. Because why? After killing 100 people, his heart, he had a change of heart to want to do the right thing. So, inshallah, dua, pray in the presence of that person to see where they are, uh, that they can see you. And from time to time, as a general discussion, if it's a family or something, bring in those positive things, inshallah. What's the right way to find a spouse, especially in a place like Perth, attend the Maiwa gatherings? Right. Um, of course, we are finding this. It is a challenge. Uh, our brothers and sisters are finding this. Uh, uh, and there is this, this difficulty. Now, I don't know why, but there's so many of young brothers will come and say, we can't find a, a, a thing, sister. And there's so many sisters saying, we can't find. Like, both sides are saying, they can't find. You guys blind or something. What's going on here? No. You know what's happening? I'll tell you what. Sadly, there's too many expectations or those things of this perfect person or Prince in Charming, or this, there's a lot of expectation. Nobody is perfect, and you're never going to know whether that's perfect or not. So you have to make istikhara, make dua, and, and inshallah, inshallah, uh, we have to find a way to change this, because in Perth, for example, this is a, a, a serious situation, um, where it is difficult. It is difficult. I don't know if anyone else has any other suggestions. Previously, there was something where they want to create a, you know, a platform where people can go and 
and you know you can have uh, you know your, like put your name down or your profile or something like that then there's another problem also unfortunately is that uh, uh, parents are to be blamed as well parents are to be blamed as well because sometimes uh, uh, you know what happens is parents in the home we, we, we sort of talk down against a different culture or other cultures or nationalities or something of that sort or we, or we like discourage it and there may be a good Muslim, Muslim, a brother, a sister or something of that sort but because my child hears this, my son hears that, my daughter hears it so they feel it's a no-go zone so what's the point, mom and dad are not going to agree or something and so then life just carries on because you know there are those issues as well uh, that needs of course I think a whole community effort why is everyone so concerned about getting married shouldn't one be happy and satisfying alone before finding a spouse of course this is now a very you know huge statement um, it's not about everyone being concerned about getting married. It's, it's a sunnah. It is something in this day and age which is even more necessary because the, the hadith and, and the teachings of Islam tells us that a time will come when zina is going to become easy. Illicit relationships are, are, are going to become easy and, and, and halal is going to become difficult. So we can't just also say be happy and satisfied alone there has to be an effort and those kind of things uh, uh, made you know where we, we obviously reach an understanding and then sometimes also what happens is is that our careers come in the way because then those things play a part in our lives so all of that has different effects to different people. Expectations, what the guy must be, what the, the, the thing system must be, uh, uh, should he have a degree, not a degree. Of course, there must be some type of maturity and stuff like that. But 100% compatibility and like, you know, uh, uh, must, you know, it must work 100% and this and that. So what? My wife uses Apple, I use Android, Samsung. Alhamdulillah, we're happy. I'm more happy with my Samsung. Anyways, so um, I am a high schooler. There's a saying that goes, marriage completes half of one set. Is this a hadith? Yes, it is a hadith. It is a, 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 a thing, tradition that uh, marriage completes half of the faith. And uh, there are numerous reasons for this. Because after believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, and you find marriage the intention and the purpose behind it should be to create a, a, a society that is chaste a society that brings blessing not attracts the the wrath or the anger of Allah through our wrong Am I sinful if I reject the proposal of a pious man with good akhlaq only because I didn't feel the click? Again, 
this is a whole marriage topic now. It needs a workshop. Uh, uh, and, and, and of course, the hadith says there is nothing wrong. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes these Q&As can leave people maybe more confused because of the time and we can't explain the whole thing. But, تُنْكَحُوا الْمَرْأَ لِأَرْبَعٍ لِمَالِهَا وَلِجَمَالِهَا وَلِحَسَبِهَا وَلِدِينِهَا فَاظْفَرْ بِذَاتِ الدِّينِ تَرِبَتْ يَدَاكَ A person is married because of four reasons. And فَاظْفَرْ بِذَاتِ الدِّينِ Choose religion, choose the deen, the aspect of deen. تَرِبَتْ يَدَاكَ You will be happy. But in saying that, you, you can look for compatibility. There is nothing wrong to see some type of, of, of thing. But forgive me. But wallahi, I had a, 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 a mother phone me once, Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh, this, that, everything. You know, my daughter and this and that. I said, yes. Oh, so we're looking for, uh, uh, you know, a nice boy. And you know a lot of people. You meet them, da, 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 da. So I said, inshallah. But, uh, you know, we want a, a boy. I mean, like, he must be good, but he doesn't have to be so pious. He goes movies and, and stuff like that. He doesn't have to have a beard. Like, like mashallah, sister. You want someone, but he mustn't be so pious. Like, like what's that? So then these are all this, 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 this misconceptions and, and cultural baggage that we carry with us at times. Um, you know, but yes, yes. Subhanallah. I mean, of course, life is, Islam is balanced. Islam is balanced. You can, you know, it, it's good to know the person, not dating and stuff like that, but, but you, you get to know some idea and, 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 and those kind of things. Um, but wallahi, I have a friend who's in Makkah. He's, 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 he's from Makkah. And I recall myself and Sheikh Imran uh, once Allah took us for Hajj and we were in Makkah and we joked with him and we said, how do you guys get married here? All the women, mashallah, are all covered and stuff like that. So how, how do you get married? I mean, we're just having some some teasing and, you know, just like some talk. So you know what he said, subhanallah. He said, I was told that this girl, she is a hafizah. She has memorized the Quran. So I told him, I don't want to see her. It's fine. If she memorized the Quran, I'm happy. Khalas, I will get married to her. And he is happily married. He got five, six kids, whatever it is. There is that also, where it's like, I, I, this is what I want, and alhamdulillah. In some cultures, in some cultures, that is why people don't get married and they're like 32 years old, 35. So brother, what's going on? You know, because no, I need to first get a job, first get a degree, all of this. It's like part of this culture. Only once you get your degree and all of these things, then you can like, Hang yourself and get married. So, no, it's, it's, yeah, marriage is a whole topic on it. I'm a high school, school or a public school. How do I maintain doing salah without people making fun of me? Being in a public school, it's not easy. Um, but I think uh, there are a lot of Muslim kids now, mashallah, uh, who are in public schools or who have been in public schools and who have prayed. So it's good to, to even talk to, to, to some of the Maiwa crew. They would know people. And talk to those boys or girls 
who went to public school, how did they manage it? Um, and uh, you know, if it's a girl, how did she manage a sister, her hijab, this, that, whatever it is. Uh, inshallah, they can uh, advise us more and they can help us more with regards to that. It's not easy. Um, it is not easy. Uh, but these days, there's so many Muslims in our public schools around Perth where, alhamdulillah, uh, I don't think it's any longer where you are an isolated case from what I know that so many Muslims go to public schools. Um, what happens if you are grateful, praying, remembering Allah, listening to Quran, but still feel someone, uh, feel someone uh, un unhappy? Of course, it doesn't mean uh, uh, that every person uh, going to the gym, eating healthy, eating clean, eating green, all the kind of things, mashallah, they don't get sick. So doing all of this, you may feel that, but these are sometimes those signs from Allah to want to take you even closer to Allah. That I'm doing all of this when I need to increase. I need to increase. That is why someone asked how much Quran should we read every day? And the reply came, it depends how close to Allah you want to get. We can't give you a prescription. You should ask. You should know where you want to be at with, you, with your creator. I want to become a sports player when my parents think I should become a doctor. Should I listen to my parents or to myself? There's nothing wrong with being a sports player uh, and we've got many great examples especially in the recent past recent current as well but there are a lot of challenges I was before Ramadan a week before Ramadan it was I think I was in Melbourne and uh, myself and uh, Bashar Huli we caught up to just have a discussion and just meet each other. So we spent a few hours together uh, just enjoying some time whilst I was there with him. And when we were having a, a, a chat, I took another friend to, to, to meet him as well. And we were having a chat with him uh, with regards to the AFL and this and that and all these kind of things. And he said something amazing. As much as all the da'wah opportunities and all of that is out there, if you are not strong enough, foundationally strong, it can be then challenging on your iman. And these days I think I know many great Muslim sports people personally, especially in the, in the cricket world. So I'm, I'm, I'm personal friends with the current world number one uh, T20 bowler, Shamsi Tabrez, brother Hashim Amla, uh, Mu'in Ali, and all these guys, right? Um, and I talk to them, and, and, and when they would come to Perth, we'll catch up, or if I'm in their, in, you know, in their area, we, then, then we catch up and we talk. Even with 
previously Brother Azlan, who was Malaysia's number one uh, uh, hockey player. But one thing I learned from all of them is that you have to be religiously sound if you want to enter that domain. If you are not, it's tough. In saying that, I think in today's day and age, there are many academies that allows a person to do sport. And if your parents are saying you should become a doctor, I don't know who this is. But if it's a cultural thing, it's got a different take to it. But if it is something that your parents see that you have the potential, then you should look at which place gives you the option of doing it side by side or, or, or some type of a balance between the two. May Allah make you successful, inshallah. When is the marriage workshop happening? When we have enough brothers who want to get married. Right. Yeah. Right, inshallah. I mean, it's something that we should look at. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I know in the UK, some of my friends run uh, ziwaj.com or one of these, and, and I'm part of one of the groups. And now and again, uh, they put some of the stuff up there, which is very successful. It's not, I'm not part of the marriage group. It's another platform, uh, an ulama platform. But from time to time, they do put up some of their success stories. Every so many months or something, they have this, this thing. And, and apparently, They've got a lot of success where anonymously uh, you send in, I think, like your resume type of thing, or they meet you and they have an idea who you are. There's a panel, then there's a brother who, who also, uh, then, you know, they sort of meet and then they sort of think where's compatibility, then they try to arrange for families to meet. Uh, I think it's, it's actually like a paid thing as well, but it's a long process. But it is stressful as well because people like us, everyday people are phoning. It's difficult. You just can't just refer. Um, we, we, we all have skeletons. We all wear different masks. We all are different people. But because of society out there and, and, and like some of the youth were telling me the other day because I was, I was busy giving them an example and I said something and, and you know these days people are not shy to, to sort of name and shame or just be open. They're like, ah, oh, Sheikh, that's what you think. Check the Facebook account and you'll see what's going on after hours. I mean, this is the reality. This is the reality. So what do we do? We, we, are, we are put in a, tight, in a very tight situation. And, and because of that, um, yeah, there's just so much, there's so much uncertainties. But again, life, you cannot have everything complete and certain. But there is that fear element and it's getting worse every day because sometimes we stumble across these things. We stumble across it. You know, before... Like sending your picture, even wearing your hijab, was like, oh man, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? And now, forgive me, but sending a nude is just normal. 
So it's, it's, it's tough, it's tough. And I've got young kids. So I tell you, I don't stand here as an imam. I'm just a normal human being like all of you with the same stresses and worries. The other day I was, Wallahi, I'm not lying to you. Like my daughter is like what, 10 and 8 or 11 and 8 or 9 or something like that. And, and, <laughs> and so what happens? <laughs> I, I actually started crying. Because I was thinking, like, Ya Allah, who will I find to marry them or who is going to marry them? All, all, you know, it's, it's and, and, and like, sometimes you like wonder, you know, how did our parents do it? They just, somebody knocked the door, I mean, and they're like, it's, it's, it, yeah. I wanted to make a joke, but never mind. My wife's friend is here, she'll drop me in just now. So. Um, should one get married to a person because you're worried you won't find someone later? Or even though deep down, you know, I mean, no, there must be some honesty and, and, and those kind of things. And also, yeah, you can't have a rebound relationship and marriage and, and those kind of things. It just doesn't work. We have to address this marriage one. But guess what? You know what's the answer to all of this? In part of spirituality, they say you must fast. So fasting is actually good for those who are having difficulty in finding a partner that will help you, inshallah, in keeping those hormones in balance. And also it will help, inshallah, in finding a partner. And this is from the hadith. I'm not saying, I'm just slightly humorous, but it's from the hadith. فَإِنَّهُ لَهُ وِجَاء The hadith, the word mentions فَإِنَّهُ لَهُ وِجَاء That fasting, it will bring balance in your temperament. And you see, as I mentioned, why there's no, there's no ladda, there's no sweetness in our salah, in our tilawa, in all of this. We're doing all of this. It's because the eyes are seeing so much that even in our salah, we are playing season after season, episode after episode. Like, I don't know how many, like there's only four seasons in a year, but mashallah, some go through a lot each night. So, where do I start in studying Islamic knowledge? I think the first thing is, is to look at locally, one-to-one, -one, if there are some classes going on. That's the best way to start. Is it fine to take a loan for a house when you can still rent? Uh, this again, there's Islamic finance and not Islamic finance and all of those things. I had this discussion today with one brother actually who moved here. For, uh, yeah. And of course, if you can avoid the conventional banks, you know, it's, it's best. Does failure to experience spiritual connectedness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reflect a deficiency in Iman? It seems like this is something beyond our control. Um, does failure uh, to experience... So remember something. 
I asked a teacher once and, was, and, and, and he mentioned, like, how do you get concentration in Salah? So he said, it is like picture yourself on a freeway. If there's an accident on the side or something, you don't stop and look what's going on. What do you got to do? Just carry on moving. So when you are praying, if a thought or something comes to your mind, don't stop and entertain it. It will come, let it come, and you just carry on praying. And he said, it will help you to, to, to be able to train yourself, where afterwards, nothing will bother you. Like a married man, I mean, he trains himself, his wife screams, everything, he just doesn't hear, mashallah. Spirituality, you see, right. That was a joke. But, you know one of the reasons we don't find sweetness in our dhikr, in our salah. Mawlana Ashraf al-Ithani, one of the scholars, he said something amazing. He said, because, believe it or not, our khushu and contentment, uh, 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 our khushu and, and that, uh, that, that uh, tranquility, when we are making wudu, is not correct. Hence, it has a negative effect on the ibadah to come after that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So when you make wudu, they even write from the hadith, the signs we receive, like we, told, we, we, like, like we are taught, even if you were at the bank of a running stream, then to using more water than necessary is sinful when you are making wudu. So start by trying to fulfill the arkan, the basics when you are making wudu, preparing for that ibadah. Like our dhikr, when, if you want to sit down and you want to have meditation, like my my sheikh, he's, he's an engineer, but he's a great scholar. And he's he went to Sweden for some conference. And part of that conference, he used to live in America, in New Jersey. He was a great uh, 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 CEO of a, of a company. But at 40, he retired and he gave up and he dedicated his life. Now he's still alive, uh, doing just da'wah work and deen work. So he says, he says when they went for this conference, Part of it was the steam building sessions and stuff. And one session was meditation. And he says, it, they told them, okay, everyone now as you are sitting, close your eyes and feel, close your eyes and feel like all your worries and everything is coming out of your heart. You just feel light and feel good and just like feel, you know, relaxed. So after the whole exercise, Everybody was like, me, I'm feeling so low, blah, blah, blah. So he said, I put my hand up. And the team leader, whoever it was, said, what's the matter? So he said, I think we only finished half of the exercise. He said, what do you mean? He said, what we have done now is only half of the exercise of meditation. And he's a master. It is called muraqaba in spiritual terminology. So he says when she 
when he said that again, she told him, you must be Muslim. So he said yes. And she, she then sort of just kept quiet because she realized that he knew what she was doing. And he had an understanding of this muraqaba, of this meditation. And then he said, the second half of the exercise is not to feel empty. And that is the problem. You do meditation, they say, feel empty, everything is coming out of your heart. But what's the point of an empty heart? He said, the second part is to feel the tranquility, the mercy, the rahmah of Allah, of the creator, I'm listening, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entering into the heart. And that is why meditation is part of it. The scholars tell us it should be done once a day. Sit on your bed before you sleep and close your eyes. You must lower your, your neck and they give us where they are different like you do. Why people say, what is this meditation, meditation? But mashallah, we go for acupuncture and you go for reflexology and they tell you there are pressure points underneath you press here this is for the heart you press there this is for the eyes you press here this is for that and you do this this is for that even you mashallah you go to to to, to uh, indonesia malaysia whatever you can buy the sandals which has got the whole diagram of those things which pain a lot it hurts you when you wait mashallah and they got the whole thing there and what we say when you're walking on that or they press pressing those pressure points it's it's activating those areas then nobody says bid'ah, haram, this, this, everything. So meditation should be done each night. Where in the hadith, Anas radiallahu the Prophet said, every day before you go to bed, if you can empty your heart of rancor, of hatred, empty it and forgive. One of the scholars says that every day before I go to bed, I ask Allah to accept my dua that I forgive anybody who may have hurt me or wronged me or intentionally or unintentionally. And I ask Allah that find it in their, let it be in their hearts. If I hurt or offended anyone, that they also forgive me. Clean, clean that heart. How did this talk go from spirituality to marriage? Because without marriage, we may find ourselves in a low point. What are some Islamic practices integrate in a busy life? We are almost up. Um, when you are surrounded with bad friends, how do you retrieve back your spiritual sense? Of course, company is the most important. Company is the most important. And, and sadly, if we have the wrong company, uh, it is problematic. Again, find excuses uh, to then, uh, you know, not join that company and try to find good company, inshallah. Uh, why is everyone so focused on complete bedeen when it comes to marriage when they haven't looked at themselves of course I guess there's so much each person yes let's become better human beings inshallah uh, if we are good people who understand the spirituality and we come back to the actual topic if we are good and we, and we inshallah can help ourselves to become good people as I said in the start myself, my family, my community if I can help myself inshallah if I then find a partner, I can know how to treat this person. I would then know how to respect that person. I would then know how to honor that person, etc. Um, 
I am not married yet, but I have a condition. Okay, that's now different. How do I encourage someone to have taqwa and faith? Allah, how would you describe faith and taqwa? Faith and taqwa is what the hadith and that has explained to us as well, that you must find yourself, find yourself feeling this condition of heart and mind that I do not want to do something that will bring the displeasure of Allah. And how do you do that? Each step you take, it is like walking through a jungle or a forest or a bed of roses. And you need to get out of there and you're wearing this fancy silk kind of a dress. If you're a sister, for example, or you're wearing this nice suit or whatever it may be. And now you have to walk through this place. What would, what would you do? You'll sort of push that, that branch or that thorns, you'll push it and you'll make your way like this. You'll push this way, you'll go that. You'll make sure you don't get caught, scratched, clothing ripped, etc. That is taqwa. Each day, each moment, each part of our life, see how, are we going in the wrong direction? Are there thorns that we are going to? Move it away and navigate. See how we can please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, there's an Islamic Foundation Sunday. Uh, for the house question, yes. How do we encourage ourselves to make dua? How do we encourage ourselves to make dua? Yes, and this is a very, very good question. We'll end off with this here. Dua is something that we neglect. Dua, two things. Sheikh Yawar Beg, he says, if you are serious about change for yourself, if you are serious about good for your family, if you are serious for wanting good for yourself, if you're serious, a sign to say that you are serious is you will wake up for tahajjud and you will make dua. Because that is the powerhouse. That is the key to unlocking a lot of doors that are closed. Because why? It is at that time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself announces, Hal min ta'ibin, Hal min sa'ilin, Hal min mustaghfirin. Who is there that has got a need? I will fulfill that need. Who is there that needs something? Ask, I will give you what you need. Who is there that wants to be forgiven? Ask, I will forgive you. Who is there that has got difficulty? Ask, I will remove. Allah Himself is announcing. If you're serious about having all of those problems taken away, well then you and I, myself, we need to stand in line during that time so Allah can give it to us. So dua is very, very important. And the scholars tell us, after every salah, make a short dua. Because that time is also a powerful time. And then after asr, before maghrib is a powerful time for dua. Fridays, and inshallah, uh, uh, take dua if you've got parents. Their dua is also powerful. Their dua is also powerful. So take dua from them as well, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make it easy for us, inshallah. Uh, if we haven't answered any of the questions, uh, inshallah, uh, perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow us to find those answers. Uh, 
from someone who is competent, inshallah, who can give us the right answers and uh, better guidance. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to recap, to evaluate where we stand with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us uh, the ability to come out of these lows that we find ourselves in and to be happy and energized to want to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember, never ever lose hope because why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves it when we turn to Allah knowing that we have done wrong or that we are not the best and we turn to Allah acknowledging our weakness and recognizing in the dua that we had, Allahumma inni abduka, Ya Allah, I am your slave, I am nothing without you, I need your help. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and protect us. Wa da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah kulla khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May Allah ease our journey on getting up on our falls and that he guides us and forgives us always. Thank you everyone for coming to our lecture. Inshallah, we have our next event, um, Maiwa Game Night. We have a change of date from the 1st of August to the 15th of August, which is in two weeks. If any of you are interested in joining the night, Inshallah we'll be selling tickets. Um, Brother Dunu down there will be selling tickets. And... Um, Inshallah, see you next Friday, last Friday of next month for another lecture. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.